you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning to Job chapter 4. We're just going to kind of go through this chapter tonight and possibly, uh, more than likely, get into chapter 5. Of course, last week we seen where Job's friends came. Uh, they've been sitting with him for uh, uh, seven days and mourning with him. Uh, Job began to speak. And he be- began to speak out of his pain, out of his suffering, uh, uh, saying the day that he was born, even the day that he was conceived. Uh, uh, he said, wish it was cursed, which it never happened. He said he'd been better off if he'd never been uh, born than he wouldn't had to go through the things that he's facing. And we have to understand, I think Job, as we talked about, I think Satan is now getting into his mind and, and getting Job to, uh, and I think he does this to all of us in a lot of different ways, is get us to doubt our faith. Uh, doubt our God, uh, doubt our abilities, uh, doubt God's abilities, doubt God's ways. Anything he can do to drive a wedge uh, between us and God, he's going to try to do. Uh, and I think the, the greatest battle that goes on, uh, of course, the pain and suffering of, of physical pain is, is bad, but I think the emotional turmoil uh, that ensues a lot of times is is can possibly be more damaging. Uh, I think that can be more detrimental to her faith, and I think that's what Job is facing. But up to this point, he hasn't uh, uh, blamed God. He hasn't done that. Uh, he is. I, I think his struggle is uh, what all of us is, is why. You know, I, I'm living right. I'm doing right. Basically, Job says I'm innocent uh, uh, of wrongdoing, so why is this happening to me? Um, and as he faces this, he go, we go into chapter 4 and we see uh, Eliphaz, uh, one of his friends, uh, could possibly be the, the elder of the friends, uh, began to speak. And we're going to see some of the things he says tonight. And we're going to see almost it's like a, a game of true and false. Uh, things that he says it's true, things that he says it's false, uh, things that he says it's true, but the, the principle's true, but the application is wrong. Uh, and I think we can see some of the things that we face today, even in this conversation. But let's begin with uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then it says, Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If one attempts a word with you, will you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Now, uh, he starts out here, uh, I believe reasonably enough. He's, he's mourned with Job. His friends is mourned with Job. All of this time, he's listened to Job's uh, anguish and pain that he was, was speaking. And he's basically saying, who can, uh, what did he say? Who can withhold himself from speaking? He's basically saying, I, I, I've listened to this. I've mourned with you. Now I've got something to say on this subject. Uh, but he, he begins kind of softly by, and, and, and I think in a, in a good way, is, is asking Job, um, will you become weary? In other words, is it going to be all right for someone to speak to you? Um, as I was reading different things about this, someone once made the comment said it's like uh, here that Eliphaz is adding probably a, a spoonful of sugar to some of the medicine he's about to dose out to uh, Job, uh, trying to smooth it over a little bit, some of the things that, that he's going to say. But I think how he begins here is reasonable. You know, he's, he's mourned, he's been there, he, 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 he's... he's He's mourned, he's been right here for his friend, and now 
I think he's got good intentions, and I think he believes it's time for uh, some pretty tough truth to Job. I think in his mind, now I can't read his mind, but I think from the, the words that we're going to see that he says here, I believe what he's about to say, he thinks that Job needs to hear because he doesn't want to see his friend suffer, and he wants to see his friend come out of it. So he's going to tell him some pretty tough things that he thinks Job's going to need to hear. The problem is uh, it doesn't help, and a lot of it's wrong. Um, and I think we can all fall into this category to some extent when we're trying to comfort a friend. And I think the thing to remember in all of this is Eliphaz doesn't have a clue. He thinks he does. And I think we all think we do, but he doesn't have a clue what Job is going through. There's no way for him to know. There's no way for him to really know what Job's facing. And there's no way, because Job doesn't know why, but Job knows what he's facing. Eliphaz, there's no way. It's like when I, I can remember when I first started preaching. There's things that I talked to people about that, was, that lost a loved one. Uh, there's things that I said uh, in, in a funeral service that I don't say anymore. Because since that time, I've lost individuals that's close to me, and, and I've realized how that feels. I, I realize what that's like to go through. So there's some things that I don't say anymore. One thing that I used to say was, give it some time. Things will go back to normal. You know, you'll, you'll get back into your routine in life and, and, and you'll just go on like it was. And then I realized there's no possible way to do that. It, it's good to say, but life will never be the same when you lose someone you love, is it? I mean, it can't be the same. They're not physically there anymore, so it can't possibly be the same. Um, and so until I really lost individuals that were close to me, I, I didn't really understand that. I tried to help and comfort the best I could, but I was wrong. The thing I said was, was absolutely wrong. Had good intentions, was trying to comfort, but the thing I said was incorrect. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, I don't believe there's any malice or ill intent, uh, but we are going to see some things that he tells Job that, that is not helpful, and it's actually absolutely wrong, and... and, and uh, Probably does more harm in some instances than good. So let's go a little bit farther. He says here in verse 3, Surely you have instructed many, and you have strengthened weak hands. Your words have upheld him who is stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. But now it comes, verse 5, But now it comes upon you, and you are weary. It touches you, and you are troubled. So notice what he's saying to Job. I think he recognizes, I know he does by some of the things he says here, the kind of person Job is. Job was, as God described him, an upright, a righteous man, a, a, a man that will serve God, the man that, that lives the way that he should live. And Eliphaz here recognizes him as someone who has gave advice to other individuals in some pretty tough circumstances. He, he has comforted them. He has strengthened them. He has gave them words of encouragement and given them advice on things that they're going through. So Eliphaz says, you strengthen other people, but now when this hits you, you're not handling it very well. You're, 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 you're kind of you know, crumbling here. Notice how he says it here. He says, now you become weary, and when it touches you, you're troubled. 
And here's where I think Eliphaz has a misunderstanding. I think we all can give advice to individuals and help and try to help individuals and comfort individuals uh, that's going through trials. That doesn't mean when we go through our own trial that we're not going to be troubled by it. Just because I'm, I have the ability at that moment to try to strengthen someone doesn't mean when I'm going through a trouble that, that uh, I'm not troubled by it, does it? Or should it mean that? Well, of course not. And I think that's the whole point of, of this fellowship that we have, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when you are down, when you are weak, when you are troubled, it may be something that I'm not troubled with at that moment. It may be something that I'm not weak in in that moment. It may be something that, that I'm not affected by as far as that trial. Then it, it should be my responsibility and opportunity to help that individual, shouldn't it? When, when I'm strong, that's when I help someone that's weak. That's when I, I, I do that. But by the same token, just because I did that doesn't mean there's times that I'm not weak, that, that I'm not uh, uh, troubled by what's going on. And I would expect someone that's strong to help me. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? So w when you see this, Eliphaz starts with a premise here. I believe that that's wrong. He's questioning Job for going through this with the assumption he shouldn't be acting like this because he was the one that strengthens other individuals. Why is he weary? Why is he troubled? Now, of course, granted, he just listened to a, to a, a, a pretty big speech of, of Job saying, I curse the day that I was born. I wish it was even wiped off the calendar. Even the day that I was conceived, I wish that never took place. So Job, was Eliphaz has seen him in a pretty trying time here. So maybe this is his you know, buck up speech. Maybe this is, Job, you know, get yourself together here. You know, you strengthen others, why are you falling apart? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But I think the premise behind what he's saying is not true. And I think what we think sometimes about going through a trial, especially when the Bible says, uh, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and troubles, we think that count it all joy means I've got to do it with a smile on my face. I've got to do it and be happy about it. I think the rejoicing comes for... Uh, the strength that I have from God on the purpose in which I'm going. If I'm suffering for Christ, I need to count that all joy. If I know that God's there strengthening me, yeah, I need to have joy in it. It doesn't mean I need to enjoy it. It's just like when he says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or are called according to his purpose. doesn't mean that all things are going to be good. It just means it's going to work out for good. So that process of working out for good may be very painful. And I think that's where we've got to be very careful because I think this is a great lesson or it has been for me to really help me strengthen my faith on how I deal with things that, that trouble me. Um, I, I deal with them sometimes not as, I feel like, not as happy as I should, not as, as joyful as I should. Then I feel guilty about that. Then I struggle. Is my faith strong enough? My faith should be stronger than this. Why? Why did I get uh, angry over this trial and struggle within myself? Or why, why did I get so sad about it? Why was I so troubled about it? Well, maybe because I was supposed to have been. Maybe that's part of that process of, of, of maintaining my faith, of working through it and getting to the other end and not giving up in the process. See, that's what makes Christians, I think, different. It's not giving up in the process knowing what the end, the ultimate end is going to be. Even if this life, 
Now, this isn't doom and gloom, but we've got to understand, even if this life, all we find is trouble. And the Bible even uh, tells us that, that uh, uh, from the day man's born, it's, it, he's full of trouble. Life's full of trouble. It, it just depends on how we interact with it sometimes. But even if this life is full of trouble, I still have eternity to look forward to if I remain faithful. This world is not all that there is. We're just passing through, aren't we? So we've got to understand that as we go through. So we've got to look at his premise here to begin with is basically, Joe, why are you so weary? Why are you so troubled when you strengthen other people and you've helped other people through this? He's really saying, take your own advice and you'll be able to get through this better. Let's go a little further. He said in verse 6, Is not your reverence, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? Now, now he gets into some, some things. Matter of fact, let's go just a little bit farther. Look in verse 8. He said, Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the, reap the same. So now he's telling Job, Okay, in all this, Job, I want to ask you something. When do you ever see, you know, where's your integrity? Where's your reverence? But when have you ever seen the innocent perish? So what's he, what's he alluding to here? He's guilty of something. What he's telling Job, you need to come to yourself here and realize something. When have you ever seen the innocent perish? So he's, he's setting the stage here for telling Job, you need to come to yourself, realize what you've done wrong. Yeah, you've got integrity, you've got all of this. So you need to come to yourself, realize you've done something wrong, and admit it. Just admit it. Now notice, if Job does that, if he does this after this speech that Eliphaz is giving him here, if Job realizes, because he's going to go in and tell, basically tell him, okay, God's, God will punish people that are wicked, and he blesses those uh, that are innocent, but if you admit, if you admit what you're doing, then you can get back in a right relationship with God, have the blessings that God has. If Job does that, then Satan proves his point, doesn't he? And the point is, Job will only serve you to get what he can get out of it. You know, Job will, what he's going to prove is, Job will say anything to get out of this suffering and get back in his mind a right relationship with God. But the struggle that Job is having here is not just the pain and suffering he's going through, but the fact that he's realizing in his mind, okay, you're telling me that if I just admit something, you know, this is going to go away, but I can't do that. I'm going to hold to this because I, I can't think of anything that, 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 that I, I did against God. He's not saying that he's sinless, but he's holding on to the fact of, that can't be it because I'm serving God the, the, as faithful as I can. So th this is, I think, where that struggle is. But Eliphaz here is really trying to get into his head and tell him here, you know, when have you ever seen uh, 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 Paris being innocent? Or where were, uh, were the upright ever cut off? Verse 8, even as I've seen those who plow iniquity, iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. You ever heard that before? You ever heard Paul say that? God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you shall also reap. 
If you reap to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you, you know, if you reap to the spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. In other words, you, you reap what you sow. And that's exactly... Now, is that principle true? Is that a true principle? You're going to reap what you sow. The Bible says it. Paul even said it, and he may actually even been quoted some uh, from here when he said it. Do you reap what you sow? It's true. The principle is true. But he's applying it here to Job. So he's actually true in principle, but wrong in application. That, that's, the principle of it's true, but Job is not reaping what he sowed here as far as his suffering goes. Now here's where it gets, to me, tricky. Because I look at it as now not so much putting myself in Job's shoes, but putting myself in Eliphaz's shoes especially as a minister, but even as a, a, a Christian uh, also, when we're talking to individuals about God's word and we're talking about God's plan and we're, we're telling people this, we need to be very careful not only the principle of it, but the application of it. There may be times that you know we, we go to Scripture and we get the principle right, but we're trying to apply that to a situation that we really don't know about and we could be applying it wrong, and misrepresented everything about it. Now that's scary to think about, isn't it? Because we can do that. We, we, we can, especially in trying to comfort someone. Eliphaz here, I don't believe, has any ill intent. Uh, uh, you know, he, I don't think he's trying to do anything against Job. I think he's trying to get to the bottom of it, realize, get Job to the bottom of it so he, he can get better. But he's talking about something he doesn't know, and there's no way for him to know. So he's, he's assuming what's going on based on what he says. Now notice how he says it here. Even, even as I have seen. So he's saying, okay, there's proof by the things I've seen. And I've seen people reap what they sow. I'm sure that's an absolute 100% true statement from him. I'm, I'm sure he has seen that. But he's applying what he's seen and, and making a judgment on Job of what the same thing must be happening to him. So here's how to fix it. See, see how dangerous that can be? So we've got to be very careful not to assume that we know everything about what somebody's going through. We can try to help, but we've got to be careful of how we apply a true principle and not apply it in the wrong way. Does that make sense or just sound like mud? It, 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 it's a very tricky thing, but that's exactly what Eliphaz is doing here. He, he took a true principle. He said the same thing Paul said. And Paul was inspired and, and, and said, you know, be careful, God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. We, we know that in planting. If I plant a tomato uh, plant, I'm going to get tomatoes. We, we understand that concept. But how he's applying it here doesn't fit. And I think that's what troubles Job the most. He, he is, he's realizing and he's trying to think, not saying he's sinless, but realizing I, I've not done anything to deserve what I'm going through here. But Eliphaz takes it, takes it even farther than that. Verse 9, he says, By the blast of God they perish. By the breath of his anger they are consumed. The roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lions are broken. Verse 11, The old lion perishes for lack of prey. The cubs of the lioness are scattered. Now a word... Now, we'll stop there before we get in because he gets into a whole other point here. So he's, he, he's saying God... 
And God does this. Does God chasten the disobedient? Does he do that? Well, yeah, he does. So again, the principle is true. But is that what's happening to Job? Is God chastening him because of his iniquity? That, that's not what's taking place. So again, you've got a true statement, but a false application. The things he's saying is true. We could go to example after example of, of God punishing individuals because of their iniquities. But that's not what's happening with Job. But in Eliphaz's mind, he's saying that must be what it is, so why, why else would someone suffer? Why would an innocent person suffer? I'm sure, I mean, the same things happened here in this congregation. We've, we've had innocent people that's living a faithful life that have suffered for one reason or the other. And it just doesn't make sense to us. We, we look at that and we say, okay, there's got to be something to that. There's got to be something there. Because when do you see the innocent perish? When, when do you see this happening to good people? Well, it does. And we see it happening to Job. Again, you've got Eliphaz trying to comfort. He's a friend of Job's. He, he, he's mourned with him for seven days. He's listened to Job. Now, now he's trying to use some tough love here and, and, and get Job to come to his senses. But his application is wrong. Even if the principle that he's saying is right. So now, you get into verse 12, he tries another tactic. Okay, I've tried to convince you, Job, that, that there's a reason. You, you've done something somewhere, there's a reason that you're suffering. Now notice what he says in verse 12. Now a word was secretly, secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it uh, in, in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon all men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth, they are broken into pieces from morning to evening, they perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. Now he says a mouthful here. One... Is he implying that God told him this? Okay, I've I, I tried to tell you this. Now I had a vision. I, I had a vision in the middle of the night that even made the, uh, the hair stand up on me. And here's what that vision said to me. Who else would he be implying that told him that? Is it God? Is it Satan? Did it really happen? Is he making it up? I don't know. I don't much believe it's God, even though I believe he may be implying that. And here, here's why. Why would God tell Eliphaz this when, one, it's not true anyway when, when, of what's happening to Job? And two, why would he tell him and not actually tell Job? So I, 
I have a hard time believing it would be God. Uh, this almost reminds me of, is it 1 Kings 13, when the old prophet talked to the young prophet and lied to him? You know, he told, God, he, he told the young prophet to go, and, and, and he did the things that he did, and he told him not to eat, not to stay anywhere, go back a different way than he came. The old prophet was jealous because the young prophet was doing all this and came to the young, uh, young prophet, told him to come into his house and, you know, and, and, and eat with him there. And uh, he said, no, God, well, you don't realize God told me this, and he believed him. And he believed a lie, and he died because of it. It almost reminds me of that here. I don't know if he's intentionally lied to him. I don't know if he did have some kind of vision. Uh, but he's trying to use a little harder tactic here, saying, okay, if you didn't believe me, believe the vision that I had. You know, and, he, and he's even telling him here when he talks about the angels, he said, verse 18, uh, if he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, well, one, uh, does he trust his servants? If he's talking about God, if he's implying God, does God trust his servants? I believe he does, so he, I, I think he's not telling the truth there, but he says if he charges his angels with error, I think he does, because we already have reference of it. One of them is the one trying to destroy Job now. So you've got all of this going on about Eliphaz, of the things he's trying to convince Job and the things he's trying to tell Job, uh, and he's using every tactic that he can. He, he, he tried to smooth talk him in the very beginning, then he gets right down to the point, you must have seen, not only does this happen, you sow what you reap. He said, I've seen it happen. Then he goes on and, and, and tells him, God, God only punishes the wicked. He, 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 he punishes them because of the things that they're doing. And then he goes on to say, okay, Job, you're not going to listen to that. I had a vision, and that's what the vision is telling me. So can you imagine Job, the, the, the struggle Job must be having? Um with the advice that his friend's giving him? Would you want to give up now? Would you want to say, you must be right. Okay, I, I have. I've turned my back on God. I've, I've not done what I was supposed to. I want this pain to end. I mean, he's got to be close to his breaking point here. Because I, I believe he would respect this friend. Uh... I think this friend respects him, and I think the I think Eliphaz is trying. Does anybody believe him different or see anything different? I believe he's trying to help him. He's just not doing a good job of it. I think he's doing the best that he's capable of doing, based on the limited knowledge that he has, because that's all that he has, and that's why I, I try to put myself in that position and try to realize. How do we talk to people about God's word? How do we talk to them about comfort? How do we talk to them about suffering? I bet if a preacher gets asked, uh, most of the time, if somebody requested, hey, will you talk about this or will you preach on this, it has to do with suffering. Why do you suffer? Why, why do we go through this? Why do we go? Why? Because we want answers to it. And I think ministers do the best that they can to describe it, but I don't think it's ever satisfying. I don't believe it ever answers the question. And I think we're seeing here with Eliphaz, I think the reason is our limited knowledge. We've got God's word. Now, we've got a little more benefit here. We can see some things. We, we, can, really, we can really come down on Eliphaz and say, oh, he just don't really know about Satan and, and God. He don't really know what they were doing. He don't really know. Uh, and we can come all that. But if we were him, would we have known? Would we have known what was going on? 
No. I don't know that I wouldn't have done the same thing in, in trying to comfort him. I don't know that I could have sat through the seven days of mourning in the ashes or not. I would, I could. But I think as far as, as advice, if we didn't know anything else, just think about it. If we, if we didn't know the backstory and the true story, is he giving them the right advice? Could he have said something else? I look awful quiet and awful confused. Is it that bad? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really hard to put yourself in that situation, isn't it? I'd have to say, I don't know that I, what other advice would you have gave? This is the knowledge that he had. Matter of fact, we could have went into a whole 15-minute talk on where he was from. The area that he was from, according to Jeremiah 49, was an area known for wisdom. So he relatively was probably a pretty knowledgeable person. He wasn't some, you know, flunky off the street here. I, I, he, he come from a place of wisdom. And it seemed like to me, from what he understands and knows from what he's seen, pretty knowledgeable. But the fact remains is, there's no way for him to have known what Job was. So the advice that he's getting, and I've preached it before, and I've heard the other preacher, oh, it's just wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. The principle was right. The application was wrong. Some other things he said was wrong. But I think based on the knowledge that he had under the circumstances, I don't know what else he could have said to him. Other than just saying, well, I don't know either, Job. I, I, I know you're a good man. And He started out by telling him he's a good man. But, but in his mind, he just can't shake, even all the way to Jesus' time, they can't shake the idea of, there's got to be sin involved or there would sin and suffering go hand in hand. They couldn't possibly imagine suffering coming for any other reason. And I tell you, it's hard for me to understand. This, seeing the sovereignty of God in this, is a hard pill to swallow. You know, to understand how God is working and even what Satan's ability is and not is, it's a hard thing to, to swallow even knowing what's going on. And I think this is probably the reason why. Because we feel like we can't because we can't understand it. Then we, we get advice from ourselves. Uh, uh, by trying to read God's word the best we can. We get advice from other people and they're giving us advice based on what they know. And, you know, I could, I could look at this where he says here, you know, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. If that's all we took, that's a true statement. Oh boy, that's right on the money. That's book, chapter, and verse right there. We can go to Paul and quote that. But it doesn't apply here to Job. That's not what's happening to Job. So how do we reconcile the principle of things and, and the application of it? You know, I, I tell you, uh, and this is off the subject, but it, it, it's, the, it's the same principle. I've always believed, and, and I think the Bible teaches it. You take marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's clear, it's black and white, isn't it? The Bible tells what it is. 
But when you take what the Bible says, you take the principles, you take all of this, and you apply it to every one situation, it becomes a little more difficult, doesn't it? Because every situation's got all of these little things tied to it. It doesn't change what God's Word is, but us, our, our knowledge of everything that went on and going on it, it is just it's mind-boggling sometimes. So it, it, it's hard to, to go through those things. Now, that may sound horrible to say from a pulpit, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true or not. You know, I, I faced a lot of things. Probably one of the biggest struggles that I faced as a, a minister is that very subject. Because, I, I mean, I'm one that goes in, takes the Bible, puts it down, says, right here's what it says. You, you tell me how your life is to this. If it doesn't match up to it, it's over. <laughs> you know, here's what you have to do, you know. But the problem is when you go and you set down this verse and then they start telling you about all that's going on, then it becomes, okay, how do I take what it says and apply it the right way? You know, uh, it gets difficult. You have to really take time. You have to really study. You have to really work through it. And sometimes it comes down to here's the verses. You know how your life is. You know, all I can go on but what you're telling me. And, and it's tough. I mean, we, we like to think everything is just, it, it's this way. It's either here or here. And it is. God's word is, is true. There's no getting around what God's word is. But we have to always make sure that we apply it based on his word, not what we think we know about someone. Does that make sense? We got to be careful with that when we're, we're dealing with individuals. Because uh, souls are at stake here. My soul, as I talk to these individuals, their soul as they come to an understanding of God's word, and the whole goal is to get to heaven, not to prove that Ronald's right. So Eliphaz here, I mean, think about it. He, he's got the... The principle right, but he's, he's applying it to Job when that principle doesn't fit Job's situation. It doesn't make the principle wrong. It just makes how Eliphaz is applying it wrong. And that's, that's where it can become dangerous. Any, any final thoughts to this before we start into a little bit of, of, of chapter 5? Why did God let this happen? When you read here about the woman that was bent over, 
Satan thought it was not God. God allowed it to happen, but he also said he had come to straighten her up. And of course, then Jesus yes. refused. So I think we just lose sight of who actually is to blame for a lot of the tragedies and all the things that you see in the world. God is allowing it to happen, but is it Satan? Satan's the one to do it, yeah. And that's what was happening here, too. And I think that's one of his tactics is the things he does. I guess he gets a big kick out of people blaming God when he knows he's the one doing it, you know. It's, a, it, 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 it's hard. I mean, it's a, that's why I say I, I really believe, and, and I'm sure other people here study Job a lot deeper than I have, but we need to be careful not to skip over some things here because it, 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 there's a lot of information in here that, that can apply to us today. And we need to make sure that on both sides of it that we're, we're doing the best we can to, to follow God's word. Any other thoughts? I think bell's about to ring, so I don't know whether it started in chapter 5 or not. And let me clear up for you. I said that I believe adultery is wrong, but I need, you, know, you need to make sure as we're talking to people in any situation. I'm just saying that on the marriage, divorce, and remarriage because that's one that I've got faced with a lot. And... Uh, you know, when you, you sit across the table of, of a crying couple, uh, you need to make sure you have your P, P's and Q's in order from God's Word to make sure you're helping them get to heaven, not, not proving that you're right on something. And, uh, but again, I think we, we have good intentions in anything we do, especially back on the subject of comforting. I think we have good intentions. Uh, we just got to make sure that we're not taking a principle and applying it the right way. Uh, you know, we can get up and we, we, we can preach on principle till we're blue in the face, but if we don't make the right application, what good does it do us? You know, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's things that's, uh, that can be right with Mike on principle, but can be wrong with me on application. You know, it, it depends on the circumstance. It depends on the, uh, what's actually going on. But the biggest thing I think we have to admit to ourselves is we don't know everything. We don't, we don't know what somebody's actually going through, what they're actually facing and why. And I think trying to figure it out and come up with some great answer, uh, I think does them a disservice. Maybe our job is just to, just to mourn with them as we get through it and try to encourage them the best that we can and, and give them advice based on the knowledge we have, but to make sure we don't take it farther than we need to. Uh, any other final thoughts? Uh, one thing that uh, we all have to remember, we're, we're all going through this, and uh, individually is how, uh, I remember lots of times I wanted to do something, but something uh, blocked me and I couldn't do it, Later on, I looked and I thought, boy, if I did that, that would have been awesome. Mm. But I think the Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I had to learn, I remember when I first started preaching, and, and it's still there, but my biggest fear was Bible class. Not, not sermons, but Bible class. Just simply the fact of somebody's going to ask me something I don't know. Somebody's going to ask me something I don't know. And I had to realize the best thing I could say is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you can't possibly have every answer. You can't possibly know every situation, you know. And uh, uh, 
and it's hard. You, you get some, I've had some people try to trap me in questions and things and ask different things and say, well, the Bible says this. Well, and that's it. The principle is true. What you're saying is true, but the scenario in which you're talking about is not true. And, and so we have to be careful on those things as we get through it. And I think it's just part of maturity. It's part of growing as a Christian and um, just part of trying to come to a full understanding of God's word that we can.